Hello everyone, welcome to Helpline 3. I'm Terry Simmons. Joining me today is Jennifer Peters of Garden Park Nursing and Rehabilitation Center. We'll be taking your calls throughout the show and as a reminder for you, just make sure you're in a quiet room with your TV turned down so we can be sure and hear your questions. And the number to call is 318-219-4569 and you'll see it across the bottom of your screen throughout the show. Jennifer, thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. I love it when you're here because one of the things we always kind of go into is busting the myth of nursing homes, nursing care, what we do in our later years. Let's start with that and talk about that. Well, nursing homes today are not what they were five years ago, 10 years, or even 40 years ago. And so many people have these preconceived ideas. And even when I was a young child and my grandmother was in a facility, I did not want to go visit her. So many things have changed. Most people don't realize the majority of our admissions, over half, actually go home. They come for short-term rehab. We have eight people going home this week that finish their rehab. We also have such an enriching um, activity department. Yesterday they were at Copeland's for lunch, they've been to the Norton Art Gallery twice recently when their exhibit changed. So there are people that come for long-term care that still have great living, lots of living to do. Um, they have, you know, Johnny's Pizza delivered for dinner. They, they can have meals delivered. They go out with their family, but they have a doctor that comes there each week to see them. I mean, they interact with other residents, but they're still their family can go pick them up. And they have just for some, they have told their family that they were ready to come because their family was concerned about them. They may have been falling more times at home and they just wanted the security of knowing that they were not alone but they still have lots of living to do so it's not um years ago many would even refer reference it as like a warehouse for older people and that's not what it is at all no it's not at all in fact it's just the opposite now um, i think over the years we've paid attention to what our later years look like and have you found anybody that maybe didn't grow up doing these things or didn't do things in their later life either until they came there. They didn't know that they loved going out and doing all of these things. Maybe they never went to, you know, Norton. Maybe they never did that, but they're getting the chance to go now. Do you find some of that too? Oh no, absolutely. We have an art class and even once our art class had a their art show at Rhino, but so many will say, oh, I'm not artistic. And they may go initially just to interact with, with other you know, residents that are in there, but then end up loving it and are so surprised at the talents because our life enrichment directors are really creative and trying to come up with new things that, you know, some are more advanced paintings that I wish I could do. I'm not even <laughs> really good at a stick man, but they find something that they enjoy to do. And for many of them, they just didn't have, you know, the means to go out to eat. Maybe they're confined to a wheelchair and so they couldn't go as easily as they can, you know, while we have a van that we can take them in the wheelchair. So while the words nursing home or um, have negative connotations, there are so many that are there that talk about how different it is and how glad and how much better their life is now that they're there with others. And so many have made connections. Maybe they went to church together when they're young, they lived on the same street or their children went to the same school. So it's great to be able to foster those relationships. And that's a good point too. So maybe starting when you're looking for a place, ask around. You may already know someone who is a friend of the person you're thinking about maybe moving in there. Ask around, there may already be someone there, a good friend or someone that they know distantly through people or there's already something familiar. Well, that is definitely a component when you're looking for long-term care is to ask your physician, to ask your neighbors, your friends, if they've had experiences with it. And just each facility is not the right fit. 
And it's just not long-term care. I mean, we've had people that come, maybe have had an accident with workers' compensation and they just weren't quite strong enough to go to an acute rehab yet. We've had um, young people that were in car accidents. So it's just not the stereotypical old person that some people may think come to a long-term care facility or even, you know, um, but I consider younger adults, I guess, every year <laughs> that I'm closer to that mark, but someone needs a knee replacement or a hip replacement. So they know coming in, they're just coming for short-term rehab. While also on the other end of the spectrum, we have some that are coming for respite or um, hospice. So, you know, the needs for each of those are very different. So we work to improve the quality of life for all of the residents that come there which is really key improving the quality of life so do you feel like they come there it's even a, a, a better way to heal i mean the environment that you create there these people no matter what age are coming there short-term rehab and they stay there a little while that is really could be a better place to heal even faster be in that environment with so much healing so much positive things going on so much caregiving do you feel that way oh absolutely i mean i feel like our psychosocial needs are just as as important of having a great rehab team, which we do, and a great nursing team, but we also have to address the other um, components. For some, you know, an older person may go to the hospital, let's say, if they just had a urinary tract infection, and that person nor their family realizes how quickly debilitating that is. So while they may have been completely independent at home, now they're not able to get up and prepare their meals or go to the grocery store, some simple things, take their medicines. And so that um, can cause a person to be depressed, you know, that you cannot do those things you used to do and now you're dependent on someone else to help you. So we want to meet those, you know, address those just as important as, you know, the great therapist and the nurses taking care of them. Yeah, and that brings to mind another myth that I think is so hard on the family who has, even if they've all decided together that their loved one would be better off, you know, living in this place, doesn't mean they're forgotten. Or I know a lot of times it's like, you just don't want me, you don't want to take care of me. And it's so hard to get across to the person, no, it really is better for you and I'm not going anywhere. They can give you so much more than I can. Some families really aren't equipped to take care of their, their elderly loved one who needs the care and still needs the fun. And if the family can't, it, it doesn't have to be that difficult a decision. It could be saying, no, this is so much fun for you and it's positive and we're not going anywhere. We're gonna be there with you, but this is a great opportunity to better the quality of your life. Well, and that's part of the problem is we talked about the myth that has such a negative connotation of a nursing home. So the family members have immense guilt. There are often times where the resident tells them, you know, their loved one, their daughter, I'm ready to go. I don't wanna be here anymore. And of course that makes it easier, but quite often it's kind of a negative event, maybe a fall or something, and a person ends up in the hospital that finally helps the family make the decision. And they still feel guilty, there's still <laughs> tears, um, struggling with it till they realize, you, you, you know, I hate to use this, but I'm like, they're not in jail. You can come pick them up every day. You can, you know, take them out to lunch, um, especially if the person is, um, a bit debilitated and as they continue to improve in therapy, I mean, they can use that as part of their therapy, the therapist helping them get in and out of the car to go home. So we try to, the more family involvement, I mean, I feel like that's just a huge part of the healing. Um, and even, you know, I said earlier, we had so many people going home this week and some are just for us kind of miracles, like <laughs> the families weren't sure because at times you don't always, you know, get back to your baseline where you can go home independently. So we really like to celebrate those successes when that happens as well. 
That's why I love these stories. I love it when you're here. We can talk about all of that. And I know we talk about what that was then and this is now. And then it really was. They went in there and there they didn't feel like the families had that freedom. You went on birthdays, Mother's Day, Father's Day, Christmas, Easter. You went on those. But going on a daily basis wasn't as prevalent as it is now. It wasn't that much of a habit or didn't feel that welcome. Uh, and I'm sure that was in the minds of the family members because you just didn't know. But now it's, it's someplace you want to go and it's every day. And like you said, they can come out, they can go there. It's lovely. And to let them know it's not that I don't want to take care of you. I can't take care of you as well as Garden Park, you know, can or some other Well, place. and for some families, I mean, it's a challenge. You know, their mm -hmm. children may be working and so there's not someone that can be with them 24 hours hours a day and so they think about what if there's a fall during the day some families may live out of town um, but that's why as I said earlier even if we're not the best fit you know maybe they can do better with just some additional assistance at home or, or some home care We're we want to work with them to help them find that because we not may not be the best place for them now we may be in the future we have multiple um, residents some that are now long-term care that had several short-term stays with us before and they may have been able to go back home or go back to an assisted living facility so we want to help them remain independent as long as they can and that's really a good sign too that they, come back. that they come back <laughs> yes. they always come back yes. it's really nice and i think that says a lot about what you've got and what you offer there to everyone and we try to really have those honest conversations with families on the front end when we go either to the hospital or to their home or invite them to come to our facility to assess them you know if your loved one is at home with sitters and is falling during the day we're not going to be this magic situation where all of a sudden they're going to stop falling or let's say they have some medical conditions and they're declining and the doctor has tried to talk about that that decline is inevitable. M moving to Garden Park is not gonna stop that decline. So we really try to talk about the goals and the plan of care and get their physician really involved with the whole care plan team on discussing some potential outcomes um, just to help ease that transition for the family and, and prepare them for you know, what rehab potential or the long-term care plan is. Which is another good thing to stay aware of. It doesn't mean you're going to stop the falling, but where are they going to be the best cared for if they fall again? And if they're there, everyone's at the ready. They've got every resource. They've got someone to be there immediately and to watch after them. So it doesn't stop that, but who's going to be better to care for them when they do? Right. Well, in, in many instances, and people may know of specific stories, but we've had people that were admitted that had falls maybe inside their home or even working in their yard. And it was a took some time before someone realized they'd had a fall and that just increased the medical problems that they faced and increased their re the recovery time. Right. So let's talk a bit a little difference about um, skilled nursing care as opposed to rehab as opposed to the other offered things that we hear those terms we're not really sure what that means. If someone's watching today be sure and call in 318-219-4569 if something comes up and you'd like to ask something specific to Jennifer. But let's talk about that different care. So many people hear the term skilled nursing facility and that can kind of be interchanged with nursing home. Um, it's most nursing homes are also skilled nursing facilities, a bit different than let's say an assisted living. So when you need a skilled level of care, maybe if you're needing rehab, um, they may have had an infection and they're needing IV therapy. 
So there's a couple of different things that meet that nursing definition of skilled care. And then there's also the rehab component. Maybe they're needing speech therapy or physical therapy that we provide five days a week. So there's skilled nursing, um, and then there's an average length of stay. So someone may need skilled nursing for let's say 35 to 40 days. And then they may be ready to go home from there. They can may come back later for a skilled nursing stay, or maybe in the future they would wanna come back for long-term care. And so that's kind of thinking of it's their apartment, they're gonna move in and they're gonna decorate it and that, that's where they're gonna stay long-term. So we offer both. And there are some families that come, maybe start off thinking it's gonna be a short-term situation and then transition to long-term, but there's also many options where they think it's gonna be long-term and are surprised and thrilled at the recovery that they're able to go back home and it was a short-term stay. Okay, well, I think we have a caller for you. Okay. Virginia, thanks for calling. What is your question? Uh, I just wanted to uh, let Garden Court know I fell when I was 54. Ended up living there for 90 days. Actually turned 55 while I was there. And they have an awesome rehabilitation equipment. I well, loved it. I didn't even want to come back home. <laughs> well, well, thank you, but I think I heard you say, did you say Garden Court? Uh, did I say the wrong, I, I might say the wrong word. Well, the, no, they're both Weir Garden Park, but there also is a facility in town, Garden Court. Either place, I'm just thrilled that you had a great stay. I think it was y'all. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll be happy yeah. to be there if you need us in the future. Well, I'm 60 now. I still fall down, but we're working on it. Just keep getting back up. Yes, ma'am. Thank y'all very much. Thank, thank you. Oh, thank you so much for bye calling, bye. Virginia. Good luck to you. It's always nice to have someone call in, and she said that key word. She didn't even want to go home. She had so much fun. She <laughs> that loved is, it. That is wonderful yeah. because there is truly no place like home. All I right. know with my family members, you know, you always want to go home. And even when some situations um, I've shared before when I knew was my grandmother's final stay there, and I knew she was not going to be able to go home from that stay, I never took away that goal of going home. You know, there was when you can do this, you know, stand up and make your cup of coffee or do something in the kitchen, then you'll be able to go home. I, we personally knew she wasn't gonna be able to achieve that, but we didn't wanna take that goal away from her, the hope of going home. So there's the comfort of that. And there's that good thing, we always talk about um, reframing your words and being careful what you say, and just, you know, changing, substituting, you know, if and when. Just say when, when you go home, when the positive stuff happens, when instead of if, if you go home. And they hear that, everyone, we all do. Right, uh, a family member was concerned the other day because her grandmother kept crying wanting to go home. And I said, that is completely normal. You're not gonna be able to change that. Just you know, keep talking to her about how great she's doing in therapy and the goals that she needs to reach when she's gonna be able to go home, just as if she was in the hospital. This is just a continuation of her hospital stay where she's gonna continue to improve to be able to go home. That's right. And I know, speaking of the way things change and they stay the same, I know we didn't think that in 2022 we'd still be talking about COVID and all of the things uh, that change. But at least now when it comes up, it comes up in a, a positive way as to how things are going, how things are moving. What, what have you learned at Garden Park? Some of the things that you changed that you kept going, thought, well, maybe we should have been doing more of this in the first place. How has it been affected now looking at, at 2022 since all this happened two years ago? 
Well, we definitely feel like it's so positive now compared to the the craziness of when it started. Some of the things that we have continued to implement and wish we would have thought of earlier is we did virtual visitation for so long when families could not come in and visit, which is a great tool for so many that have family members out of town or they may not can come by or they're loved, they may wanna watch their mom in therapy. So we have iPads that they can use to visit their family. And some families ended up, it was such a great tool that they bought their mom their own iPad and we taught them to use. So now we actually have ladies that are playing like Candy Crush and watching <laughs> YouTube videos. Um, so that was wonderful, but we also implemented some safety protocols where we just had one entrance as we were checking people in that I think overall has improved the safety of the facility and the residents and the staff there as well. But it's been a, a learning process for all of us, but we are so happy to be where we are now. And just to you know, make sure everyone realizes that as the mask mandates have changed or gone away, that they are still applicable in skilled nursing facilities. So all of our visitors need to wear a mask when they come visit, the staff still wears masks. And if the residents are around other residents or staff members, they wear a mask as well, because we have such a vulnerable population. That's true, and it's a good point to think about that. At least we have the masks now. We're all the time. It's always been something to be careful when you're out and about and you go to visit. Uh, these homes or anywhere you're around someone who might be more susceptible. Pre-COVID, it doesn't matter to always. And now we have masks at least. So some of that's come out as something that we needed some protective stuff forever. Well, especially I can talk about in our population, you know, a case of the flu um, could spread very quickly. These ladies, you know, we have a handbell choir. They're getting manicures together. They, you know, share meals together. And so during COVID, when with people wearing their masks, we did not have one single resident with a case of the flu since that started. So that had not been what happened in the past. So we have seen a positive impact for the residents and the families. And we've also seen, you know, there were times where families came to visit sick, they admitted they did, and then their loved one um, ended up being sick because they didn't have to have the mask on in the room. So we have definitely seen in our industry that the masks are helpful. And it is difficult, we, we know, when you're planning to go visit someone, but then you get sick and you want to go anyway because you don't want them to miss you, but it really is just, don't worry, you can come back another time. It's better to come healthy. We encourage everyone, you know, we can do the virtual visits with the iPad, we can set up a window visit, we can do outside visits, but even something as you may have had a stomach bug or let's say pink eye, simple things that you don't really think of being a big deal, but bringing it into our community, you know, just, what a small illness is for us could be, you know, substantial for someone that's older that already has multiple other medical conditions. Yeah, it really is important to think about that. And with all of these other virtual things, I mean, it's amazing. When someone comes in, are they automatically set up with the iPad and everything like you said? Are they already explained to the family that we can have virtual visits, you don't have to come in? Or Right, yes. Even prior to admission, we explain what the options are and when they can visit. Um, and then, you know, we let them know if they want to call and make an appointment. We have our website where they can send us messages. We contact them with a person that can use. There are some that actually have standing appointments that, you know, call every day. So their loved one has the iPad in their room. But we try to give them every option um, to visit and explain about, you know, taking them out on outings, um, all the opportunities to stay in contact with their loved one. Like you said earlier, there are families that come every day, that come twice a day. But also there's options if someone lives out of town or just can't be there that we want them to be able to stay connected with their family. Yeah, definitely. And so we talked about the flu and we've talked about with different doctors and Healthline 3 and other caregivers, and I think you and I have talked about it too, that 
it's not just COVID, but the flu is really important for any of our elderly citizens, anyone who's over a certain age. We really need to not forget about that. So how do you handle flu shots and that kind of thing with Well, any families? vaccines. I mean, we, with their flu vaccine, pneumonia, shingles, our nurses and their physicians reach out to all the families and encourage that to get their permission to give them, you know, those vaccines and keep them up to date and share the information. Um, just because the flu can, uh, you know, affect an 80-year-old much differently than a 50-year-old. So, of course, they have the option, just like they did with the COVID vaccine, but, but we encourage them and we provide all the vaccines there that they need if they're in agreement. So they, you can talk, talk about that all. I'm sure you get all of that out uh, before they even go in there. You have that list of everything, what they might be concerned of. And if someone says, listen, it's really important to me that she gets a flu shot every year. Is there a standing permission in there or do you revisit it every year when it's time for their flu shot? How is that handled? We do, we revisit it each year and get a consent, but we, you know, we call them, you know, <laughs> and if maybe they're not sure, we follow up the call, but we find all that out before they actually are even admitted. That's part of our pre-admission screening process, just as is finding out if they've had the COVID vaccine, if they've been boosted. We find out all their vaccination status prior to coming to Garden Park. Okay, and where is Garden Park located? 9111 Linwood Avenue. Okay, and the phone number there? Very convenient, 688 <laughs> uh, We're on 26 acres right in the middle of town. So many people come and don't realize that we're there, but it is a, a jewel right in the middle of the city. Wow, it just sounds beautiful. And so you encourage families, bring the whole family, whoever needs to come and really scope out the grounds and, and come see it. We've had many people actually do like wedding and engagement oh. pictures there. We have beautiful azaleas that are blooming now, a gazebo and a pond. So it's a great location and outdoor spaces for families to visit. How beautiful. And you've even talked about how individualized your care is, where you'll even go to the home and make a visit and see how it is that they live there. What are the things you look for when you're doing a home visit? Well, we like to do home visits on the front end before they come to the facility. Um, and if we haven't visited the home prior to, then um, as they're getting ready to discharge. Just, um, so on the front end, just trying to find out, for example, Garden Park is a non-smoking facility. Not all facilities are. So if someone's a heavy smoker, we're not the facility for them, but we can help direct them to another facility. Um, trying to find out what equipment they need um, some people, depending on their weight, may need different equipment, or if someone has advanced dementia, maybe they're wandering around their own home, maybe we're not the best place for it, we're a large facility, they may be um, better in a facility that had a secured dementia unit. So we review their medical records, you know, visit with a person and the family, and just want to make sure that we are the right fit from the beginning. Um, you know, if they're going to have a roommate, if they're going to have a private room, if we have one available, to try to have a smooth transition on the front end to just try to avoid some of the problems if we weren't the best fit for them. Okay. And if someone is there, they've been with you for a while, and they start to develop these symptoms of dementia, and they do start to be someone who does wander, um, and has anyone ever like, come to the point where they're not, they become not the right fit after they've already been there for a while? How's that handled? That has happened occasionally, and we talk with the families multiple times in the staffing, and just because for some, if you have dementia, a larger facility can kind of um, increase, maybe there's too much stimulation, can increase your anxiety, and so maybe a smaller facility is the best option. But we do have, you know, for some, we have secure care doors that we would put a bracelet on that would lock to keep them safe. 
But then there's also other interventions that maybe there's, you know, um, maybe it's crocheting or a certain show or certain music that we just, you know, find out the things that appeal to that person that we can still um, work with them to keep them there. So we have many residents there that do have advanced dementia. It's just back to that individual plan of care and working with the families is how we can best care for them. For some, their quality of life is better if they can just wander freely around to other rooms um, with other people that are kind of at that same place on their journey because maybe they go to someone's room that you know is there for let's say a knee rehab and that interaction doesn't go very well because that um, you know person wants them to leave their room <laughs> and doesn't really understand um, you know their cognitive um, capabilities. So we just try to constantly be working with the families whether it's improvement or decline with rehab and nursing and we have great physicians that come there weekly. Very few facilities have um, physicians that come see their patients every week, some even more than once a week like we have at Garden Park, so that's wonderful. Um, and they're really attuned to small changes um, that happen maybe before it's critical lab. There's just lab that's trending in a certain direction. So having their physician there and that physician that has the conference and discussions with the families about their goals, um, you know, and if advanced care plans, advanced directives, do not resuscitate, hospice, you know, maybe it's not, they don't need to keep going back to the hospital and that um, physician is able to have a better conversation with the family to explain the outcomes than maybe our nurses could have. So we are really proud to have active physicians that come that often. Yeah, so nice that you have all of those resources that come and pay attention like that. We, we are really proud. I think yeah. there's not a better place in Shreveport, honestly, um, for skilled rehab or long-term care. Yeah, and the training that you give, I know you come together, your staff is a family too. All of the training that you have in the practice of staying aware and, and being compassionate and such empathy for the people who live there or come through there. Right, well, I believe it's a gift to serve the residents and the population that we have. And we have a, a job where we have the opportunity to make a difference in someone's life each day. So every position there, whether they're in human resources or a business office manager, you know, we want them to interact with the residents and be part of that improving quality of life. We try to let everyone know, you know, just to be attuned to maybe things going on in, at home, if they're having a special anniversary or if they're, you know, challenged. You know, we've had short-term rehab people with us. You know, we've had someone go clean their home for them. We've had porters clean their carpet. We've taken their animals to the vet. Like, what are the little things that we can do to improve their day? So it's, they're not just a patient that's coming there for rehab. We want to know them individually, and we challenge everyone. If, if someone says, I want a sausage and biscuit for McDonald's, that go, you know, handle that to give every person there the opportunity to, um, just have great customer service, you know, and just what would we want if we were in that same situation or if our family member was there, what would we want for them? Well, what a great job to have, that that is your sole focus is serving others and being able and having the opportunity and resources to really say, what do you want? I'll get it. And what a nice way that that's your focus. Well, and, and there are so many great careers. I mean, most yeah. people don't think about, I want to go work in a nursing home while I'm in college, but it is a wonderful opportunity to develop some lifelong relationships with the residents, their families, and to really feel like that you're giving back every day. And I heard uh, a quote this morning on a podcast that said, every time an 
old woman dies, a library dies with her. And it was talking about the history and the stories that they have. And so we have those opportunities to interact with those ladies each day and, and gentlemen, but it is a, a gift um, to work in long-term care and to make a difference for them. I completely agree. We forget sometimes, or maybe we've never had the experience, on the wealth of knowledge and experience on someone who's been here that many years that can just sit down and just listen. Just let them talk, and it's amazing what you can find out. Right, look how much the world has changed in the last 90 years. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we need to learn from them as well. Yes, yes, I think that's why children are drawn because they are sponges and they do love to hear the stories and they can relate so well. There's no judgment, there's no preconceived anything. They love hearing the stories. Right, and, and that's relate. why we work really hard at, at creating those intergenerational connections. We have a partnership with Loyola where high school students come visit each week with the residents and just the stories they've shared from like our residents you know, maybe football games and, you know, homecoming now and how those things have changed or sporting events or showing them videos on the computer that, you know, they're not accustomed to. So that's been a, a real gift and has given to both the residents that have the young person coming to visit them as well as even some of the young people that keep coming back after their program ends when the school year ends. Yeah, and I think that's the thing to remember too. And it's more, we always think it's the young person doing a great thing, but that young person comes away enriched and it does, it works both ways for both of them. Right, so yeah. many they've said, this is not at all what I thought it would be. <laughs> isn't that a great thing to hear that? This isn't at all what I thought it'd be. Yeah, our Better. residents actually went to Loyola and played, uh, went on a field trip in limousines and played at their handbell group at Loyola. So they went on a field trip to entertain high school students. You know, it just shows you never have to stop playing. I think that's what we pay attention to. You see them, they're spry, they've got this spring in their step. We don't have to stop playing. And sometimes that's a secret to a long life. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Keep living. Keep living, keep mm -hmm. having fun. And that's probably what the young people remind them. You yes. know, they can connect and it's so much. And you know, and they're cooler than you think they are, those <laughs> old ones. <laughs> well, thank you so much because I know you fell in love with this at an early age too and your story is really beautiful. So thank you so much for being here. And thank you to you and your staff everybody who does everything for us at Garden Park. Thank you so much for having us. We're always happy to share our stories. We really look forward to every time you're here. Thank Thanks. you. <laughs> Alright everyone, thank you so much for joining us on Healthline 3 today. Take care, have a great afternoon, and we'll see you next time on Healthline 3.